missions week, prayer week, worship week, they're all times when we try to say that there are certain things we need to focus on, right? Do we need to focus on missions? Do we need to focus on prayer? Do we need to focus on worship? So this week is supposed to help us worship better, understand worship better, focus on worship, because worship is a central part of who we are. So in spite of me being who I am, the most unmusical person in the world, um, I keep getting asked to share because I share from a uh, unique perspective being so dead inside. So um, I'm going to share this morning from another aspect of worship that I hope will have meaning to you. Now on Tuesday, I wasn't here, but I did listen live online. Um, Brother Dick said some very important things about worship. And one he said and one he was quoting Sister Sylvia. So I just want to say again what he said because I want to start us on the right foot. He said, worship is our response to the revelation of God. Right? And he made a point that worship is not something we choose to do just because we want to, but we're actually responding to the presence of God, to our understanding of God, to a revelation of God, to our knowledge of God. We're responding to God. God is here and we're worshiping Him. Worship can't be separated from the one we're worshiping. He has to be here. He also said, and he quoted Sister Sylvia, worship is not an exercise, not just a something we do. Worship is an expression of adoration towards someone, the one who is greater than us. Um, and I think Elam does a very good job teaching on worship. I think they do. I think they have a balanced view. Not just currently, um, Brother Dick and, and uh, Gabriel and different people who are teaching on it. But going back to even when I was a student in the 1800s, they had great teaching. Um, back then, it was, who was the, the worship leader here then? John Heiss, that's right. Elam has always tried to get people to go beyond superficial music and get to the heart of worship. So that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to stay in that idea that worship is a response that happens when we're in awe of God, right? When we see Him and we're in awe of Him, when we, when we feel about God, that he is amazing and great and wonderful, and we respond, well, we're worshiping. So the point is, we can worship when we're extremely happy and things are good, or we can worship when we are mourning and broken. Um, I'm just going to mention it briefly. Uh, Job lost everything. And what did he do? He worshiped. I want you to see that because worship is a response, it doesn't matter what circumstances you're in, you can still be in awe of God. You can still talk and say and speak the truth about God, no matter what your circumstances. It's, it's an expression of how we feel about God. Therefore, how I feel about God doesn't change what my circumstances do, right? In good circumstances and bad circumstances, God doesn't change. He's still just as great. He's still just as awesome. And there are many kinds of worship. And I think, was it last year or maybe three years ago when we did this? And I, I talked about some of the other kinds of worship that, that I'm more accustomed to. But 
just briefly, just to put us on the right foot, you can worship by physically bowing down to God. No words, just bowing your face to the ground. If you read the scriptures, it says they bowed down to the Lord. Physically, we can express worship. We can express wonder, awe, honor, respect to God just by bowing. We can, we can worship by bringing an offering. Over and over in the Old Testament, they would bring an offering, a drink offering, and pour it out, a, a, an animal to sacrifice, a fruit of the ground. And that was called worship. Bringing an offering to God is worship. We can worship by just proclaiming the truth about God. When we say, blessed be the name of the Lord, like Job did, that's worship. When we say, the Lord, he is God. Think about Elijah. He calls down fire. Consumes the offering, the stones of the altar, and all the water. What do the people do? They worship. And how do they worship? They say one sentence. The Lord, he is God. That proclamation of the goodness of God, of who God is, is worship. There's many forms of worship. Of course, there's singing and dancing and, and musical instruments and song. And there's that wonderful expression, what we were just doing. That is an expression of worship. But it's not the only kind. We can, we can worship in dance and song. But what I want to talk about today is that even though there are forms that we are very familiar with, the form doesn't matter. Because worship is not about the form, it's about what's going on on the inside. So I'm going to talk about that. And, and Brother Dick did a wonderful job reminding us of Matthew 15, which is actually a quote of Isaiah. And I'm going to read it for you, Matthew 15, 7 and 9. I don't have any slides or anything today. I'm going to be boring. Um, I know. Aw. My slides all look the same anyway, so come on. Um, that's for the, the people who are guests. I, I always have the same slides. I have had since Moses was a boy. Okay. Matthew 15 says, hypocrites. That's always a good way to start a sermon, right? Hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me. Worship is directly connected to what's in our hearts, not the form we choose to express that worship. So I want to start there. I want to start with the fact that worship must flow from the heart or we're being a hypocrite. We can say the best words. We can sing the best songs. We can bring the best offering. We can be on our face before the Lord confessing His greatness. We can bring Him everything we own and lay it at His feet. And if our heart is not for Him, we're being a hypocrite. It's just words. So we're going to turn to a passage in 1 Samuel. Not one you normally use about worship, but we're going to use it anyway. 1 Samuel chapter 15. How many of you remember King Saul? Okay, Israel's uh, king, chosen by God, taller than everybody else. And God sends Israel and Saul to attack the Amalekites, and he says, wipe them out. Don't leave anything. Not even the animals. Everything. But Saul keeps King Agag alive and all the best animals. To sacrifice to God. So he comes back with all these animals. And they're waiting for Samuel. And Samuel doesn't show up. And he finally gets there. And, and Samuel's pretty upset. And I want to start reading in verse 17 of chapter 15. So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, 
Were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? That's a pretty important. You did evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said to Samuel, But I've obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission which the Lord has sent me and brought back Agag, king of the Amalekites. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people, I love it when people blame other people. The people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Then Samuel said, and this is starting in verse 22, this is pretty direct. Has the Lord... Has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, which is a form of worship. Remember, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Let, let, let me reword that. To obey is better than worship. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Ooh, now we have a problem. Now, uh uh-oh. Then Saul said to Samuel, I've committed sin, and I have transgressed, transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin. And return with me that I may worship the Lord. So he wants to worship the Lord by sacrificing the animals. It's a sacrificial worship. He wants to worship the Lord. He's saying, Samuel, I know I messed up. I I sinned. I listened to the people. Please just forgive me and come with me so that I can worship the Lord. Wait a minute. You were just rejected as king. You did evil in the sight of the Lord. You rebelled against God. And now you want to go worship the Lord. Something's not quite right here. Verse 26, but Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Now, for the next few verses, they go back and forth. I mean, they're they're just going at it. And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. So Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie or relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. Then he said, I have sinned. Now listen to this. Yet honor me now. Honor who? Honor me. I want you to notice those words. Honor me now, please. Before the elders of my people and before Israel. And return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. Something is very wrong in that sentence. So Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord. I'm confused. I'm very confused. How could Saul, who wanted to be honored by the elders and people of Israel, and wanted Samuel to go with him so that the people would honor Saul, because it would have been Very bad if Samuel said, I'm not going with you to the sacrifice. It would have been a dishonor to him. How can this man worship the Lord? 
He disobeyed God. He rebelled against God. He rebelled against God's direct commands and will. He did exactly what he wasn't supposed to do. He's concerned about his honor and his reputation. And he worshipped the Lord. Something's not right. If Saul was rejected by God because of his rebellion, the question is, did God receive his worship? If Saul was rejected by God as king because he was rebellious, disobedient, and wouldn't listen to God, did he receive Saul's act of worship? Now, we don't normally use this passage about worship, but I do think that King Saul did something. King Saul did an act of worship, but not as a worshiper. And I want to distinguish this morning, and that's actually the title of my message, is being a worshiper. I want to distinguish between being a worshiper, someone who genuinely is a worshiper, and someone who does an act of worship. Because Saul clearly did an act of worship, and he worshiped the Lord. But he wasn't a worshiper. Proof that he wasn't a worshiper is because he just gets rejected as king and told, you did evil in the sight of the Lord. You rejected the word of the Lord. You reject- God's rejecting you. This is, this is bad. A true and genuine worshiper can't be someone who is in rebellion against God. Now, John chapter 4, verse 23. As a matter of fact, a couple years ago, it was the, the main verse for this This uh, worship emphasis week says this. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him. King Saul was not a true worshiper because he wasn't worshiping in spirit, meaning from the heart. It wasn't that Saul, Saul saw God and thought, he's worthy right now to be honored. I need to show the people God's greatness. Saul said, Samuel, if you don't come with me, the people won't honor me. You need to come with me when I give this sacrifice, this worship, so the people will honor me. This this man was not worshiping in spirit and in truth. As a matter of fact, he wasn't a true worshiper because his worship wasn't from the heart. And that's where it begins. He wasn't looking at God and being in so awe of God's greatness. He wasn't just... I mean, when we're, we're singing these songs that we're worshiping, it, we in our hearts see God and we're responding to His greatness, His majesty, His glory, His, his graciousness, His compassion, his, his mercy. We're looking at Him and saying, this God is worthy to be praised. Was Saul doing that? He wasn't a worshiper. There's a difference between someone who does an act of worship and a true worshiper. That is the first point. And Saul just did the act. That's all he did. But it doesn't end there. Before I go on to more, I need you to understand that a true worshiper has a heart that is filled with the awe of God Worship all the time. Not just during times of worship. Do you understand the difference? A few minutes ago, you were singing your hearts out. But your view of God, your vision of God, how you feel about God, doesn't change when the music stops. 
And when you lose your job, God is just as good. The chains fell off. That doesn't change because you're eating lunch. That doesn't change when you're mowing your lawn. Saul thought, I can do an act. I can sacrifice. And that's worship. But that's not being a worshiper. Because a true worshiper worships all the time. It's an attitude of the heart that we carry with us all the time. That's the first point. And unfortunately, you know what filled Saul's heart? Himself. Honor me. Look at me. I don't want to be embarrassed in front of the people. I mean, he just got rebuked by the prophet. God has rejected you as king. What are the people going to think? Samuel, you got to come with me now. I mean, you just rebuked me. I'm king. What are they going to think? Come with me and offer this sacrifice. No, he rips his robe. Tr- you can't go. You're going to honor me. Somewhere in all of this, we have to understand that there is always a battle going on between our desire for our own glory and our desire for God's. Look, do all of us want to be respected? Yes. Only because when I'm respected, I point to Christ at the work he's done in my life. Saul just wanted people to look at him and honor him. He was filled with himself. He was a self-worshipper. And I'm afraid that there's a lot of people in the church today exactly like that. The main thing is how they're seen. But we'll leave that for now. Because there's one more thing about being a worshiper that I want us to point out. And it's something I noticed for the first time when I was reading 2 Kings. Now it's a big passage, so I'm just going to read it to you. 2 Kings chapter 10. There's a weird passage. Very weird. But I noticed something in this. And it talks about being a true worshiper. I want you to listen to this story. There's a king called Jehu. And Jehu was going to get rid of the worshipers of Baal. But he tricked them. So this is the story. Starting in verse 21 of chapter 10, 2 Kings. It says this. Then Jehu sent throughout all Israel. He sent messengers out. And all the worshipers of Baal came. So that there was not a man left who did not come. So they came into the temple of Baal, and the temple of Baal was filled from one end to the other. He called them all. Anybody who's a worshiper of Baal, we're going to worship Baal. I'm a king, we're going to worship Baal. Come, let's let's do this big thing. And it calls them worshipers of Baal. And he said to one of those in charge of the wardrobe, bring out vestments, clothing, for all the worshipers of Baal. Again, the word worshipers of Baal. So he brought out the vestments for them. Then Jehu and Jehonadab, nice name, the son of Rechab, went into the temple of Baal and said to the worshipers of Baal, again, worshipers, 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 listen, search and see that no servants of the Lord are here with you, but only the worshipers of Baal. And I'm reading this and I'm seeing worshipers, 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 servants. Why didn't it say there are no worshipers of the Lord? I want us to see something that I began to notice That in the scriptures, true worshipers are always servants of the Lord. That the words servant and worshiper always go together. I'm going to read you several different verses. This is something for you young preachers. Be careful doing because if you get too many verses, you lose people. But hopefully you'll pay attention. Deuteronomy 8. Just listen. Then it shall be if any of you forget the Lord your God and follow other gods... And serve them and worship them. 
I testify against you this day that you shall utterly perish. And serve them and worship them. Deuteronomy 11. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Deuteronomy 30. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I'm like, I'm looking at this. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. First Kings. But if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes that I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them. I mean, it was like, how many times is it going to say it? Second Chronicles. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments which I set before you and go and serve other gods and worship them. Jeremiah 13. This evil people who refuse to hear my words, who follow the dictates of their hearts and walk after other gods to serve them and worship them shall be like this sash which is profitable for nothing. But serve and worship. Last time, Jeremiah 25. Do not go after other gods to do what? Serve them and worship them. And I noticed that over and over and over and over, you were either a worshiper of a false god and you served them, or you were a worshiper of Jehovah and you served him. You were either a servant of the Lord or you were a servant of other gods. And they always went together. And I began to ask myself the question, why? Why did did the scriptures continually connect the two? And then I remembered a passage in the New Testament when Jesus is tempted. Do you remember Jesus being tempted? What was one of the temptations? Satan said, if you will bow down to me and worship me. You notice the bowing and the worshiping go together? If you will bow down to me and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world and all the... I'll give it to you. It's mine. I'll give it. All you got to do is worship me. And Jesus in chapter 4 of Matthew verse 10 says this. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written. Now what's written? You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. There it is again. And I suddenly realized that you can't be a true worshiper of God without at the same time being a servant of God. Why? Because we always serve what we worship and we always worship what we serve. I need you to hear that. You will always serve the thing you worship as wonderful and great. And you will always, always worship The thing you're serving. It just is the way we're built. It's who we are. I began to see that only someone who truly serves the Lord from the heart as an obedient servant, who does the will of their master, only that person can be a true worshiper. And then I go back to King Saul. I realized Saul's real problem, the reason he wasn't a worshiper, is because he wasn't really a servant. God said, go and do this. He didn't do it. He did not obey his master's will. He was not a true servant of the Lord. Oh, he obeyed God when he had to. But the very thing that was said about him is, you are rebellious. You did not obey. You rejected the word of the Lord. And I realized that King Saul wasn't a true servant because he didn't obey God from the heart. Therefore, he couldn't be a true worshiper. The most he could do is an act of worship that wasn't even sincere. And I began to think about this message today that only obedient servants of God, only obedient servants of God 
who offer themselves completely to God as His servants to obey His will, only they can be true worshipers. And that scared me. The sacrifice that God wanted from King Saul was not the bull and the ram. It was not the sheep. God wanted Saul to sacrifice himself. His own ambition, his own desires, his own will. God wanted Saul on that altar. Saul wanted to give something else. God wanted Saul to sacrifice his own ambitions. God wants us all to be living sacrifices. Living sacrifice. I'm going to read the verse in a minute. Who offer yourself as an obedient servant to God because that is our truest form of worship. Of all the forms there is, of everything you can do to worship God, do you know what the number one thing is? Desire more than anything else to obey the Lord as his faithful servant who will do his will. Because if you're not a servant, you're not a worshiper. And the most you can give God is a sacrifice. Some act of worship. It won't mean anything. Romans 12.1, we know it well. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Look, this is your spiritual act of worship. My life, when offered to God, is true worship. My life. Not my voice, not my sheep, not my things that I can do, not even my physical bowing. My truest thing of worship is my life, me. I'm the sacrifice. I'm a living sacrifice. If I want to obey the Lord, then I can be a worshiper because I'm bringing Him and worship and serving are always together because we serve that thing we worship and we worship that thing we serve. And when I'm a servant of the Lord, I'm worshiping the Lord. And when I'm worshiping the Lord as His servant, I'm doing His will. Anything less than that is hypocrisy. And that's a hard word to hear. Obedience to God is the greatest act of worship you can give Him. Obedience to God is a greater act of worship than all the sheep and all the hills and all the cattle, than all the songs, than all the music, than anything you can ever offer God. If you give Him an obedient heart, that is the purest form of worship you can do. And that's what He wants. He doesn't care about the form of the worship. He cares about your heart. Are you His servant? He doesn't want people who aren't His servants worshiping Him. Because it doesn't mean anything. They're hypocrites. It's empty. It's vain. It's hollow. Sacrificing my own ambitions. Desiring to shine in other people's eyes and sacrificing that to God. That's worship. Laying down my own reputation. Laying down my will. Laying down what I want. Saying, Lord, not my will, but your will. You're worshiping. And if you can't say that, it's not worship. I don't care how beautifully you sing. I don't care how wonderfully you play. I don't care how wonderfully you dance. I don't care how many offerings you bring. I don't want my worship to only be real in the moment I'm singing. I want it to be constantly in my heart and mind all the time. And I don't want my worship to be something that I do I want it to be my spiritual act of worship because I'm laying down my life to God as his servant all the time. As I thought about this message, I realized 
that it's possible to go back to what Jesus said. He is seeking people who will worship him in spirit and truth. He's seeking servants of the Lord. And the church worldwide has dumbed down worship to these moments when we stand here and we look at those words and the music is playing and we're lifting our hands and we're just worshiping and then we walk away and purposefully, knowingly disobey the Lord. And I hear the words of Samuel. Does he care about sacrifices or does he care about obedience? And I think, wait a minute. Is, is, is my act of worship lining up with my life of servanthood? Is my service, is my yielding to the will of God as his servant to do whatever he wants with me? You give me a command and I will do it. Does that match the words that I sing? The moments when I'm just opening myself up to God and saying, God, move me, touch me, stir me. Yes, I want to be moved and touched and stirred. But when I leave here, I want to continue to be an obedient servant because that is how I worship. I lay down my life. And I don't want us to miss that because right now, look, there is a thing going on, right? We've all heard about everything that's happening and people are starting to, to, to spend time praying and worshiping. And sometimes it's prayer, sometimes it's music, but it's, this, it's this, this special time of seeking the Lord. Wonderful. I'm absolutely inspired by it and want it. But I don't want to be King Saul. I don't want to miss obedient service to God as my first act of worship that the rest just flows from. I don't want to be disobedient to God one minute and then turn around and give Him glory the next. Because the glory that I give Him out of a disobedient heart is hypocrisy. So I'm going to challenge us today. Not that we have to be perfect. We don't have to be perfect. Not that we have to absolutely in every moment perfectly obey the will of God. Nobody here is perfect except my wife. Um, <laughs> but I do want us to realize that the direction my life is heading is my life one of obedience to God or not will determine whether or not God will receive your worship. And if it's not, don't bother singing. Just keep it to yourself. Because it's not worship. It's not in spirit and truth. And you're not a worshiper. You're someone singing a song. An unsaved person, a Satanist, Hitler, could sing those songs. Doesn't make it worship. So if you really want to worship God, offer God your life. Offer Him your obedience, your willingness to submit to His will. Lay down your ambition. Lay down your own desires. Lay down your own will. And God is going, now that's worship. Wow, He's worshiping me. And then carry that into your music. Carry that into your times of worship. Carry that into your times of prayer. Carry that into the moments when you're on your face before God, crying out to Him, and He looks down and sees an obedient heart and goes, my servant a true worshiper. That's mine. That's what we're after, isn't it? That's what we want. 